0: Hey, I've got Jacques Slade on the podcast, who is a sneaker expert, and I know absolutely nothing about sneakers, but I know you're also a smart guy with, uh, I don't know, every time we've talked, you've had great things to say. You're super nice. So I thought we should talk a little bit longer. How's it going?
1: Uh, It's going well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited. I'm a long time fan. First time caller, as they say.
0: I have had a successful sneaker writer on before uh, earlier episode pete forrester was here and we had a great conversation with me still yes. knowing nothing about sneakers so i th- I, th- I think it's a recipe for success just invite people on that are experts in a field i know nothing about and we'll have a good conversation
1: yeah i mean i feel like that way you get to learn learn a lot about uh, other worlds and they can you know maybe uh, influence yours in some strange way
0: yeah we'll find out maybe it'll, maybe it'll be a uh... Sneakerhead by the end of this call, we'll find out.
1: Okay, I'll I'll try my best. I'll try my best. Things
0: I'm really curious about first are just like, what's what's life been like creating in this post-apocalyptic world? I mean, I'm trying not to make the podcast too much of a downer, but uh, actually, it's funny. Each episode's becoming uh, the intro is like, how am I feeling about the pandemic today, and how do I feel about talking about it? But um, yeah, I'm I'm letting myself talk about it in a similar way to how I'm consuming content which is like I let little bits of bad news drip through throughout the day cuz I do feel like I need some connection to what's going on and then I try to go do something completely unrelated and lighthearted and and just just for fun after that and I've personally I've been finding that jumping back and forth like a pretty good recipe for having a relatively balanced mind throughout the day uh you know and to some people's taste maybe I'm talking about it too much maybe too little but that's what's that's been working for me what's What's it been like for you?
1: Yeah i i think my I think my path is pretty similar. So I've been trying my best uh, to stay focused, but it's hard when there's just like so much, so many different things going on, and there's it's it just seems like there's so many different elements to what's going on, and I think that is what keeps pulling me in because you're thinking like you know you think about it's not just about you at this time. So that you're thinking about the service workers. Like I used to be a waiter when I was in high school. So like, there's a there's a certain empathy I have for like the restaurant you know industry right now and like the service industry right now, um, but then there's also like my family. I have older people in my family, so you're worried about them, and then you have like younger people in your family, so you're worried about them and how they're handling it and not being at school and not being out to be able to hang with their friends, and they're stuck in the house all day. And then you have like the president and what's going on with him, and then you have like the CDC and like you have all of these different elements to it, and so. You try, I try to stay focused on like, all right, let's just work. But then a a piece of news about this comes out and you're like, okay, I need to sort of investigate that because of X or you hear this and it's like, oh, I need to investigate that because of this. And so like you kind of, I kind of keep feeling myself being pulled in all of these different directions and losing the focus of like, all right, what work are you going to do today uh, in order to kind of keep things sort of normal in some sort of sense?
0: A way I heard it phrased recently is that this is just this is just a really interesting time, and I think that actually it's a very ambiguous word. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything too specific, but it sums it up pretty well. Is that wherever you turn, something incredibly interesting is happening every single day, and things that you could you could dive down those rabbit holes, you could chase them as far as you want to go. And a challenge is that in other global or national or personal emergencies, there is limited utility in in learning everything about it. You know, 9-11 being one of the more recent examples that we have here in, you know, North America. Uh, you could stay up all night watching the news every day and kind of panicking about it and feeling really nervous and scared and trying to get a, a grasp of the situation. But the result of that was mostly just how you felt internally, you know, is trying to bring your worldview into some sort of comfort level. Whereas now there's actually information coming out all the time that it's good to know about. It's, it actually can, you know, help you or save you by just finding out the right. The thing is like I spend all this time reading the news and listening to podcasts, hoping you'll find that one little detail that's going to save your life or your family's well being, or, you know, make sure that you're able to, Get the check that's going to keep you floating for the next while. Whatever it is, there's all these little things that actually will have real life effects on us. So the the bad part is there is a real payoff to following the news so close right now because it has implications for us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I I keep going back and forth in my mind thinking like, have I watched too many Hollywood post apocalyptic movies, or have I watched enough? <laughs> or have I watched enough? And like, I'm wondering if that has watching those movies has shaped a lot of my reactions and how I'm consuming things because, you know, generally in those movies, some person or some clan or group of people heard some one thing. And that was the one thing that saved them as opposed to everybody else. And so i I feel like that's why I'm consuming so much about it because exactly like you said, there may be something that comes out that changes the conversation completely, and now you have this information that's really going to make everything better for you and your loved ones. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I struggle with that. Maybe maybe it's too many movies or maybe it's not enough. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, I can I can absolutely relate to that. I I think there's also this element of us all feeling like. We are the stars of our own story, which is something that's become bigger and bigger in in our culture over the last however long thirty years or something. Where, uh, you know, it's we are we're the Marvel superhero of the world that we're living in right now, and whatever's happening around us is part of our bigger story, which is obviously not not actually the case. It's just, I think what we've all started to start to feel emotionally a little bit. And, um, you know, this can be a bit of a reminder there, how much that's not true. And I, I even think that because we're all going to end up with such different experiences coming out of this, it's going to take a, a while to untangle the, like, you know, us just talking to each other. Like, what was your experience? Like, what, what did that really feel like? How did it, yeah. how did it all pan out? I mean, you're talking about, we're thinking back to earlier jobs being in the service industry. I think about all my older jobs, and absolutely, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in a position where we can continue doing things. That, some of the things that we do from home right now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I worked Same. in less restaurants, more retail, but uh, yeah, all those retail jobs, I mean, they're incredibly challenging if that's what your work every day is right now. And yeah, once this is over, we're all going to have a very different story to tell about what it was like.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I, I feel like this is a lot of a lot of self-reflection is going on during this time and and things like that. And, you know, I, I also I try to keep a positive spin on things as well and think that this is also a time when people do a lot of self-evaluation and that will come out of this better than we were when we went in. And, you know, that's kind of the hope. And I know that there are people that um that are that are falling victim to the to the virus and um. And it's affecting the world in all of these strange ways, but I, I have to believe that there's some positive that's going to come out of this that is going to reshape the way we work as a society the way that we are as individuals uh, maybe it means more it, it allows us to to look out for each other more uh, to be more responsible in certain ways whether that's you know maybe it's an environmental impact and now that we see like how less how much how much we don't have control, maybe we need to start okay well let's start considering. The sustainability aspect of all the things that we're doing, like we really need to start taking care of ourselves and this planet that we're on because of things like this. And this is an opportunity to really reevaluate how we're approaching those things. So I have to hope that there's something somewhere that's going to change us as a people and as a race for the better.
0: Yeah, I think undoubtedly there will be, uh, at the very least, we'll be more prepared, I hope. For, for future for, pandemics. For future
1: pandemics. Th- yeah. This
0: probably won't, I, I'm very sad to say, but this probably won't be the only time humanity faces this. We've faced it before, we're going to face it again. So hopefully yeah. we'll be a little more ready for that. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um fingers and crossed. Also, looking at, in the technology world, it's going to fast track a, a lot of technology, which, um, you know, that that can also be, a, a, it, I don't know if it's silver lining exactly. It's not like we need technology to be amazing, but it, as somebody that covers it it'll, it'll give me things to talk about that's for sure um e- yeah, yeah even an example right now like that there's something that fits into the story but is uh, just recently the iphone se version 2 was just announced so we got a brand mm-hmm. new iphone yeah. coming out and it is 400 and has the same processor as the iphone 11 pro and other good specs and i look at that i'm like you know that's not necessarily part of the world's current narrative. Like the previous SE was the same price, but what's going to change is like, this will be a huge phone this year because people are going to be trying to save money on their phones. You know, people still want a new phone, but I think a lot more people are going to go for a $400, mostly flagship phone. Um, and a, a lot less are going to opt for the $1,000 option. Cause you know, we all got a lot less money coming in right now. So yep. there's, there's little details like that, that you read differently now that this is how things are, you know. This episode of the Stallman Podcast is brought to you by Modern Workplace, a podcast from Microsoft. I'm sure that, like me, you appreciate finding new podcasts to listen to. Lately, I've actually mixed up my must-listen-to playlist a little bit. I've got some different shows in rotation there. And if you're looking for a new show to listen to, Modern Workplace is a monthly podcast that discusses digital transformation and the future of productivity. Each episode brings you access to business and technology leaders that are creating the future. Every show has a focused topic, a deeper conversation with a Microsoft corporate vice president, plus related news and updates. And just to give you an idea of what to expect, let me tell you about some of the topics of recent episodes that I think you might be interested in. One that I mean, I'm very interested in is remote work. Everybody's talking about it right now because a lot of us are working remotely. AI and machine learning, which once news cycles return to normal, I think will be an incredibly important topic. That is where a lot of industries are going, including, I mean, you've heard me talk about post-processing and AI and machine learning, taking over that, and also the art of teamwork. Go and listen now. Just search for Modern Workplace in whatever podcast app you use. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E. Or click the link in the show notes to check them out. Our thanks to Modern <laughs> Workplace and Microsoft for supporting the show.
1: It, it definitely has changed changed people's perception of uh, that, that discretionary spending has definitely changed quite a bit. Well,
0: and that ties into your world of, of sneakers quite a bit. And yeah. I mean, my tangential connection to this is fashion culture which is more through my wife's blogging but uh you know i've, I've been to plenty of fashion events that's how i know other people into sneakers where where do you think that's going to go i mean that's obviously a very <laughs> good example of yeah. discretionary spending oh and i want to yeah, also yeah i i liked the so you're on that disney plus episode with uh jeff goldblum uh so yes. I, I just like you know, want to say, Congress was <laughs> really cool, and yeah, yeah, I liked yeah. how he discussed that discretionary, like the feeling of like why you want to buy special, give yourself these special little prizes, yeah. but like a sneaker. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to make sure I dropped the shout out in there, and uh, people should watch <laughs> that episode because it kind of ties into this conversation a little.
1: What's going to change though? For for me, I I, I do think um, I've been trying to pay a lot more attention to this, and it's 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 really interesting um because so some of the like reseller sites so reseller reselling is a big part of sneaker culture um where people buy shoes and resell them because they're limited and things like that and that industry is saying that there's only been like a four percent decline in sales over you know during this pandemic which is very very interesting yeah um and my thought is that people are still doing the buying and selling as a way to kind of keep keep some sort of normalcy going but my thought is that the higher end stuff isn't being purchased as much as it is like the more regular stuff that that can kind of keep the transactions going and that's a way deeper conversation that I need to dig into but it's 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 interesting I do think that people are are reevaluating the purchases that they're making and shoes are not as important for I think the common consumer so what happened with sneakers is it became a bigger, more pop culture kind of thing. And I think the pop culture moment for sneakers really um, was starting to explode and it was coming really bigger and it was really cool. But in this time, I think that that people have started to kind of that the pop culture aspect of sneakers has kind of died down a bit. But I think the core sneaker culture consumer guy is still buying The shoes. I don't think they've necessarily stopped buying shoes quite yet, um, because it is—it's almost like something that's like passionate, endemic to them. It's like like their release. This is their their way of kind of getting away from what's going on in society. And sneakers is kind of like that art piece or um, that that performance or whatever it is that it that it means to them. So sneakers, though it is part of discretionary spending for a large population, I think there is a smaller population that just loves sneakers. Kind of like, you know, you and I love technology and cameras, um, we we were still buying little things. Like I bought rolling stands for my lights yesterday. Um, nice. Which is something that, I, that, I, would, <laughs> good that I would still do. Yeah, it was a good upgrade, but it was something I would still do regardless of whether we were in this moment or not. And I think for some people, sneakers, um, for people that are really into sneakers, that's what this, that this is their kind of release.
0: And sneakers can stand in for virtually anything. Like we all have our thing that we are are, are into, but clothing clothing make for a good example because so much of it is social. Like that's why that's what fashion is. Fashion's a social thing, you know, as much as it's a personal art expression, there wouldn't be such thing as trends if it wasn't for other people. Right. That, the idea of how, like, new the reasons that a new design is exciting is in relation to other people's expectations of what previous designs have looked like and how this, right. you know, excites them because it's a spin on those expectations or it breaks them or, you know, surprises them in new ways. All of these are relationship things. So mm. the reason that we would spend that extra money on luxury clothing or cool shit is to yeah. to show it to other people in a lot of ways. And that's, it's not necessarily all like about like flaunting and, um, it's not all ego based. A lot of it's just personal expression, but I think it, I'm just, I'm just very curious. Like how will that relationship shift as people have both less, less income to spend on things, but also less people to show it to during the day. It's still going to be there. We're still going to want to communicate in that way, Yeah, but it's going to change. I don't know.
1: Well, I think part of it is the the internet has kind of supplanted that that one-to-one social interaction. So in a sense, even though we all are, are confined to homes, I think that the social aspect of it is still happening in a way via Instagram and via Twitter and via YouTube videos. A lot of... I'm I a lot of the accounts that I follow on Instagram that are sneaker accounts are still posting every day and still mm-hmm. posting, you know, multiple pics of sneaker sneakers and buying the new stuff and posting it and and shooting cool photography of it. Like that stuff is still happening in a sense. So though we don't have the the normal social aspects or the the freedom of the normal social aspects I should say that we had prior i think a lot of that social stuff is still happening but it's just via you know likes on instagram or retweet on twitter
0: yeah i think that everybody in the world is going to discover why we've loved being creators for so long
1: <laughs> yeah. right yeah.
0: now cuz i've seen so many people that are jumping into even things like this, this format of like doing, you know, interview conversational shows uh, is completely exploding. Even people doing live on Instagram, people are going live every few minutes, it feels like. And it's a variation of this. It's just like eavesdropping on other co- people's conversations. It's been successful for a long time for a reason, because it makes you feel like you have a friendship, right? You're, you're, you are yeah. passively part of the conversation and that can feel pretty rewarding. Um, but that type of content, is going to be absolutely huge right now because everybody can do it um, relatively easily. You know, it's not technically very challenging or creatively all that challenging. You mostly, the the value starts to be on having something worth saying and having interesting ideas. And um, so I I think that's going to be an interesting shakeup in the fashion world as well, is people that only had visuals are probably struggling a lot right now compared to people that have opinions and something to say which i mean yeah. see why i invited you on it's like i know that you've got more to say than ju- <laughs> you're not only going to rattle off specs to me all day you got interesting thoughts no that, no too. no
1: not at all. it's it's a ve- it's very interesting though to see like the 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 how people stepping outside of their of their normal confines and maybe it's not maybe it's just now we're noticing it more um but you have like like the thing that happened with d nice and him doing like the instagram live stuff and how huge that just kind of became and now like there's tons of DJs that were doing that kind of stuff before like he wasn't the first one to do it there were DJs that were doing it before and now you see you're more aware of that going on um Tory Lanes has been doing some crazy stuff on his Instagram live and uh it's it's like really inspiring people to get out there and have more conversations and more people to speak and to talk to each other and again like you said being able to get a look at those conversations has been something that I think a lot of people really, really enjoy. And it's giving them the freedom to say, hey, I, I could do that. I, I've had ideas that I wanted to talk about. Let me give it a try. It's interesting. I noticed it
0: also shifts the value of certain performances, like, like musical performances, for example. If you're going to go on tour, you're going to play the same song, a thousand times, you know, you're going to go from city to city to city, basically do the same act over and over and get paid from scratch, you know, get paid quite a bit for each of those shows. Now, a lot of musicians are doing these live performances and, you know, like just bedroom jam sessions and stuff like that, which is really wonderful. But I also start to realize, well, once they've done their whole catalog, they can't just, I mean, they could, but they're probably not just going to start it again and start re-performing it in that same living room. And it creates this sort of, Asymmetry of, of the value of the content. I heard somebody describe this in terms of what happened with um vaudeville back in the day, that like people would get basically a, they'd buy a book of jokes uh, or a list of magic tricks, and they would have a whole career performing this one set of entertainment, this That's that they practiced over and over and they were great at it, but they wouldn't write new jokes. Like they wouldn't come up with new material. Like they had their act. And they could perform it for a lifetime because there's a new audience every night forever. And then you start recording it. And especially once you start posting it online, now any joke, as soon as one person's told it, everybody's heard it and you can't, you can't steal the joke. You can't retell your own joke more than so many times, especially if you're posting them publicly. So it, it, it's going to shift this, the value of newness and creativity and originality, uh, in a in a way that i don't know we we weren't seeing before this started
1: yeah that's and that's something that i think is very unique to um well prior to this was very unique to comedians um that's why a lot of times when you go to comedy clubs they tell you no phones Um, because like these guys or these women, these comedians, sorry, they take all of this time honing this one hour set. And that takes, you know, sometimes that can take years to get one hour worth of great content that you could then put into a special. And so they'll do that at shows, like in local clubs, just to work on the craft. And if, you know, everyone's videotaping that joke, then, you know, it's ruined, you know, as they workshop, but they, maybe they change a word or two. I was, I read an article about how, Like the, the use of certain words in jokes and how they make them more efficient and refine them as a comedian. And I just thought that was fascinating. And like hearing you say that reminds me of like, they have to go through this process of saying the same joke over and over and over just to get it right. And if everything's recorded and it gets out there early, then that joke could be ruined before it actually gets to the point where that comedian feels like it's perfect. Like that performance is perfect. Or when it hits their
0: Netflix special, uh, you know, that it already leaked. (laughs) I think even when in Dave Chappelle's, he was talking about some of the rehearsal of the jokes during it, but imagining that like, yeah, let's say somebody had a cell phone video of him telling any of the jokes that were in the Netflix special. It couldn't go viral again later for his, the thing that he's getting paid for. It needs to it needs to all pop at once for the you know the the piece of content he's making money off of as opposed to somebody yep. else's cell phone video where they get all the views on their channel and you know um, yeah or their perception
1: that somebody's like oh he's just telling the same jokes over and over again
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> when you know it, they it's really an illusion that that creativity is happening on the fly every night yep. you know that's <laughs> that's the magic trick
1: yep absolutely. Absolutely,
0: but so now we're going to have to all do this ourselves. Come up with our own magic tricks on how to uh, keep, <laughs> keep keep things interesting day after day. I mean, I'll talk. I'll talk a little bit about challenges on my end. I haven't, I haven't posted a new Instagram photo since this started. I don't know. Maybe I will have by the time this podcast goes live. But that's just an example of like, it's this one narrow stream of social media that I just sort of froze on. I'm like, I hmm. keep not knowing what I want to do, and then I'm not. And now I haven't done anything for a while, so I'm still not going to do it. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's sort of. It was weird to notice that happened.
1: Yeah, it's been more with that. That with YouTube content for me. I've been posting stuff on Instagram. I've been posting stuff on stuff on Twitter, and I've been posting some stuff on YouTube, but not at the um, the rate that I was prior to this. It's a lot. It's a lot more sparse, and um, that was part of that. Today it was like my. Thought, you know, over the last couple of days was like, all right, I need to get back on it. Like I'm being I'm letting things I almost kind of feel like I'm letting things fall apart in a sense. And so I have to regain that focus of getting back into the rhythm of creating content in a consistent basis, the way that I was before. Um, Because otherwise I feel like I'll just lose it.
0: Yeah. Is it a choice to slow down? Like, were you feeling like you, you should post less or you just have kind of had enough challenges focusing or feeling inspired that you uh, didn't feel like you had anything to
1: post? I think part of the challenge was focusing. um, And then also part of it is just like, because of everything that's going on, it just doesn't put you in the mood, I guess, to really right. to do to do that sort of thing or or like that. Something that's I feel like it's I don't know, I feel like because I'm paying so much attention to other things, it's pulling from that creative bucket that I have. And so that creative bucket has kind of been been dry. And so it's like finding a way to 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 dip back into that bucket and, and, and re- refill, refill that bucket, so to speak, so I can create content.
0: Do you imagine there'll be any shift in what your content looks like, or I mean, not looks like is in cameras, but you know, are you going <laughs> to, is there going to be a shift of tone? Do you feel like, or is, you know, you want to kind of keep business as usual?
1: Yeah. I've, uh, I, part of the, part of the delay has been me not wanting because a, a lot of the stuff that I do is product focused focused. And I, I've, I've been, I, I've been wanting to put an effort more towards storytelling. And I think this is going to influence that as well. Where I'm going to be telling more stories about the product as opposed to being like, this comes out on Friday. Um, because this comes out on Friday obviously works and that's a big thing for that moment. But I think people want more than this comes out on Friday at this time. I knew I know I want more than that. And so maybe um Part of that is my, my yearning for something more is, is going is to be reflected in the way that I produce content as well.
0: It makes me think about things I've read about previous times of difficulty, like the Great Depression, for example, that mm-hmm. uh, fashion also shifts through this. This is, this is the context I was reading, is that the amount of like, color that people wear, the amount of sort of flamboyancy mm-hmm. in their dress really shifts as economies go up and down. Basically, yeah. people wear more like drab, not trad, that's more earth tones, more subtle tones during downward economic times and then the, like where more expressive colors and things will pop a little more when it's boom time and everybody's making money. Yeah. And I've always found that really interesting that you could look around to just look at the people around you and you could see how well the economy is doing by the their choice of clothing. And I think that's going to be reflected in content as well. It's like how... how ca- <laughs> how how important are the things that we talk about? Will reflect what's what's really going on? Like how severe the conversations are. Something I keep thinking about is what are those really casual content creators like? A, you know, I've met, I've used David Dobrik as an example. Who their, their whole thing is just about like let's just have fun. You know, there's yeah. nothing serious going on here, and that that tone's going to shift everywhere. You know, even people that are yeah. like wanting to maintain, even like the the goofiest shows that i like i can feel there being a little more of a like look we're all smiles and laughs right now but we know something more serious is going on at this moment and by not acknowledging it it would come off as weird i haven't really i haven't seen that many people do that take what i would consider to be the like an an inappropriate approach where they're just they're being too casual or too unaware i mean other than Mm. uh like corona challenges or what like I don't know. There's some there's some pretty dumb stuff that, that gets supposed to, but that's not that's not actual creators. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm but I'm curious long run, how will that shift our I don't know, like we we definitely maybe like maybe we kind of reached this point of like sort of peak fun where it's like, look, we're all safe. We can just uh you know enjoy our Netflix and chill as much as we want, but now it's like, oh wait, we're not at the end of history uh we we do self-taking yeah. seriously.
1: Yeah, it that's that's an in, that's interesting and hearing you say that makes me makes me think that a lot of those changes are i think less about the individual and more about the collective. I think the brighter colors um, that that more expressiveness is is often a a signal of I'm doing well. Like I'm great. Right, I'm really awesome right now, and so I'm wearing this super bright red shirt and these super pink, (laughs) super expensive shoes. Really great, super expensive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I'm doing great right now. Yeah, and if as a collective we're all going through a moment, and I think I think that you tone that down, not necessarily as a I'm not doing well, I'm not doing great, but as a if. Like there's this huge segment of society that had that had this terrible time, and I was lucky enough that I didn't have to go through that and I'm still doing great. I want to show empathy in some way uh, yes. in another way and by dressing down or not being as flamboyant is my way of kind of taking in that conversation and being a part of that mass I don't want to say mass suffering, but you know the mass. Uh, downturn or whatever it is, whatever the appropriate word is for that. So it's interesting that you say that. And that's, that's immediately what that makes me think of. But at the same time, I, I find myself wanting to see something that is not attached to what's going on. I want to see something that's disconnected from that. I want something that's going to allow me to escape. Um, and a lot of my content comes from the Internet. I watch Netflix and stuff like that. But a lot of my content comes from, from YouTube. A lot of the stuff that I watch is YouTube and you know Instagram and Twitter. So to be able to see something that doesn't remind me of what's going on um, is also nice as well.
0: Well, YouTube's also the only new content coming out right now. It's not like Netflix is making any shows. So, hey,
1: everybody, we've got the exclusive
0: right. deal on <laughs> right. anything new that you want to see, other than the news. So,
1: that's true. That's that's very true. YouTube is the only place for the most part.
0: But there's also it's a shift as well. Not just I mean, I think you're you're right that there are going to still be a lot of places where wearing bright colors are the right answer. Like it is the it can feel right still. There's also going to be a shift, though, in terms of um, expensive objects. I think a great example could be watches, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, There's always been certain rooms that you could walk into where having a Rolex on your wrist could either give you a huge advantage, could basically basically mean you're part of the conversation, or if you walk into another room, it means you're excluded from the conversation because you're the asshole that spent that much money on a watch. Right. And I yeah. think what's going to change is there's going to be a lot more rooms where that $10,000 on your wrist is, you know, six months rent. And for, for like, middle class people, you know, people that have always been used to, like, they've been planning to buy their Rolex and they just haven't got around to it yet. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's going to, it like, it'll just read a little bit differently to, to flaunt really expensive things. Uh, I think... I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, but
1: no, I, I think that I think that's 100 accurate. There, there is going to be a time period during this and after this when um, the the extravagance of luxury is not going to be aspirational anymore. Um, it's going to be a, a more of a, um, a a sign of waste or a sign right. of opulence and that's not the time period that we're in or that we will be in after this is over so you you're i think you're 100% correct in that and i think
0: that's all defined by whether or not people can see a path towards getting that themselves i think that's what would what can drive that frustration if we feel like we actually live in a somewhat free market where there is a chance that if we do everything right, hopefully we could have, you know, live the American dream, like uh, have everything we see on Instagram. Um, right. <laughs> but if it feels like that path is closed to us, which at this moment, it it does for a lot of people, you know, there's just, you just yeah. can't go to work. Like it's not, it's, it's not even, it's nothing personal. Your, your job's closed. So that's, you know, yep. it, that's blocking your path to, that cool watch or those great sneakers. It's funny, actually. I noticed that I started getting a lot more e- emails from StockX talking about watches lately. Maybe that's even why it's on my mind. I'm like, yeah. they're
1: really pushing those watches right now. They're definitely pushing the watches right now <laughs> for one hundred percent. But yeah, but I think I think you're right. Like, they're you know, with I think here in the US, there's like six million people filed for unemployment in like a week or something like that. So like, there's it's going to like. I, those, I know that, with those yeah, the numbers, numbers,
0: yeah. Don't look at the, Don't look at the numbers now. If the last one you saw was six. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, like that, that, yeah. that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, of where things are headed and and, and how people are going to be struggling. You know, I, I've, I've been there. I've been on unemployment. I know how hard it is. I know that it's barely any money. So I know the struggle that comes along with that. And, um, the challenges that you face when, when you're in that position and, you know, for me to come outside in some Gucci loafers and a Rolex and a, uh, you know, a Louis Vuitton jacket, you know, that's, it's, just, it's really tone deaf.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's not gonna, and I don't mean to say it to condemn anybody that still wants to wear the Gucci Gucci loafers they already have in love. Uh, you know, people are still <laughs> wear their favorite yeah. things. I, um, but I think by not talking about it, like if I, if I were to just not acknowledgement on this show, that's, usually about tech and cameras or something. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's, it, you, previously you could leave it unacknowledged because there definitely are a group of people listening that don't have access to the things you're talking about. But like I, like I was saying, they can dream towards it. Like they can see it coming. Yeah. Um, and now it's like, you know, or I know that as I speak, most people that are listening, this applies to. It's not at all a, a smaller segmented group. It's not only a few people that can relate to the challenges of like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get to where I was hoping to get to anymore. We're all in that boat. So, yeah. I don't know. It just feels like the right time to acknowledge it. And I don't know if I'm saying any of the right things about it. but
1: Yeah, no, and I, I agree. It's not to condemn them. It's not to condemn anybody that has those things and that worked hard for those things. And I, I, I totally understand and get that. But there are times when we need to take a broader look outside of ourselves and take the community into into uh, into um, into the conversation. And I think this this is one of those times and eventually we'll get out of that. And um, I don't know when that is or what day that's going to be. But I do think, you know, acknowledging what's going on is important. For sure.
0: Let's say that we acknowledged it enough and try to talk about something lighter for a few minutes before.
1: <laughs> before All right, let's let's do before it. Before I circle let's do back, <laughs>
0: on, uh, what, just tell me a bit about YouTube lately. Like, how has YouTube life? I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a darker topic, uh, depending on how you feel on YouTube. But like, what's it like to be a creator in the last year?
1: Um, it's honestly, it's honestly, it's been, it's been great. It's been really good to be a creator. I, I think. I really, I do think that we're at, we're still at the very beginning of what's possible for a creator and what creators can do. Uh, we're starting to see a lot more creators being accepted by traditional media, which is really exciting for me. Um, that's a, a path I definitely want to take. I want to dig more into like the traditional media side and and represent more in that area. In addition to being able to still be my own personal creator, um, I think a lot. A lot of the creators that we know and love, the actors and directors and all of those things, they were so limited to only being able to do certain things in traditional media and that's the only place we ever saw them. And now you're starting to see them create things on their own and on YouTube. And I feel like that conversation is going to go the other way as well where you see creators like you and I being able to dip into the traditional media world and create there as well from both front in front and behind the camera but being able to... Traverse between those two worlds, which I think is really, really exciting. I think we're just starting to see aspects of that. You see, like, Lily had her uh, her talk show. You have Liza doing things and being more accepted into, like, the traditional media world and still being able to create on YouTube. So, like, those things... I, I see those coming together. And for me, that's really, really exciting.
0: Well, and it's amazing that at the same time as all that's happening, we're seeing the opposite happen, where all the TV show hosts are now having to be YouTuber creators at home with their iPhones, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, yeah, getting yeah. their partner just to hold the camera for them, and their kids are the laugh track. And that has been so interesting, just to see yeah. who does it well. who do, Almost all of them do it poorly. <laughs> it's just like it's so fun i mean i get it because we we had to spend a lot of time and attention struggling to you know get these a-roll setups that look pretty decent right now and figuring out how the camera works and how to edit it and all that um but yeah it's it's very interesting watching the reverse path happen and who would have ever thought that would be a reality like this was not on my bingo card i didn't see this coming at all no (laughs) not
1: at all not at all. It's really it's 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 actually kind of cool uh, because you see, I think it'll give, uh, and this is this is not a judgment call here, but I think that the traditional industry didn't necessarily expect, I'm sorry, respect the work that w- goes into what we create, and I think now they're more aware than ever of I sure hope the, so. the challenges <laughs> yeah. and the and the work that goes into us creating on this platform like it isn't just like set up a camera and go it's 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 a lot more difficult than that with lighting and and making sure sound is correct and making sure your environment looks great and making sure you remember to turn on the audio and record audio and all of those things like all of those things are starting i think that industry is really getting a better idea of what it takes to do that yes our we may not be as complicated as your setups but the the thought process and the work that goes into it is i I would say almost identical it's definitely going to
0: be an artifact of of all of this is that a lot of those workflows i bet will simplify as well they're uh, not necessarily i mean late night shows i don't know maybe they already are simple enough like those are relatively not complicated productions but as people, you know, go buy a bunch of consumer level cameras and like smaller, simpler hardware and make stuff at home, when they go back to their big shows, they'll take notes about like, you know, this has all come a very long way and maybe we don't have to do it the way that we always did. And <laughs> yep. it's def- I'm sure it's going to rub off in the way that things are created. And actually an interesting side effect of that is probably that there'll be some more, I mean, this is maybe a downside, there'll be also more shrinking of crews as well which has been i mean that's a been a challenge of anybody working in the production industry for a very long time right now that uh, you can do really good stuff with not a lot of people at the same time i, I mean i also see it as a huge opportunity it's been how we've been able to have a career is by being able to be in a yeah. really small crew, not very many people, which means that our margins are really good compared to a bigger project that has a higher budget, but that's divided amongst 60 people. Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: I think, yeah, my, the thing I throw around of uh, full stack creator I think has never been a better time to understand the the full creative stack and be able to, do it all yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. We are very unique in that way, and um, I think now, now is a, is, a, is a time that people will start to realize more and more what it takes for us to do what we do. Especially, like I feel like the brands now, when they see what they're getting from us versus what these full-on television production shows are putting out on YouTube right now, and, and when they see the difference, and hopefully that is a, is a moment of revelation for them. Like, Oh, like, wow, these guys really are doing a, a lot more than what we thought they were doing. For sure. I always want to jump in there. When I see uh Jim
0: from the office has his new hit show from his desk at home. And he's, I love that he, I mean, it just is that like YouTuber startup attitude. It's like, Hey, I got a camera. I can start talking. And I love that he did that, but I just want to get in there and like, fix his mic placement and fix the lighting a little bit. And like, Oh man, you could go, this could be so good with not that much more effort. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I like, I don't know. Maybe I could just be a consultant on these shows.
1: I'm saying, I'm saying that a whole new career. I wonder how much of this, like you and I talking now, because obviously a lot of the shows are doing this now. I wonder how much of this will, extend when they go back into regular production? Will they still be doing like these Zoom or Skype interviews yeah. with people uh, because they don't have access or because it's because it's easier than a you know, celebrity coming into the, to flying into LA or flying into New York? Something I, oh, I meant to put this in
0: my, I, I just did a
1: video about the latest iPad
0: and I was going to say this and forgot. This is really highlighting why recent Apple upgrades like putting professional quality spe- uh, microphones in the new MacBook Pro and in the new iPad Pro. Nobody really talked about it that much. Nobody really cared. But now yeah. that tele- uh, all of broadcast television is being shot on mobile <laughs> devices, mostly, mostly on iPhones, the yep. image quality and the sound quality coming out of the the default phones that we all buy suddenly is defining mass media. Like that is how good, of quality, we're going to see all night long because you know it. it so if Apple has a, a, I don't know, there's an example like there's sometimes white balance flickering. Now it's not just our home videos that have this white balance going up and down. Now it's, uh, I was going to say John Stewart. It's not he's not on TV anymore. Stephen <laughs> Colbert, uh, you know, yeah. it's Trevor and Noah that are, like they're having uh, both the benefits and the artifacts coming out of their their cell phones now. So those little details that seemed relatively unimportant. Are you know yeah. who who uses their laptop to record audio? Well, now everybody when they join their Zoom meeting in the morning. So
1: yep, it's, it's going to be a big deal. It's good. like that those those things are 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 becoming more and more um, important to like the general public. And I, I would I love I, I'm I'm excited to see like what comes next from the technology companies now that they're seeing these tools used by really a larger audience it seemed very like it was very niche usually um they're like creators like you and i using it and every once in a while people that work from home like they would use it but now you're seeing like the mass public use it and all this data is being filtered back to to these manufacturers then how are they going to use that to make the next product cycle even better
0: well these same implications i was just talking about also trickled downstream to everybody's personal interactions now too. It's like, how good is your FaceTime call? Because if it's terrible mm. when you're calling your family that you haven't seen in real life in weeks, you know, yeah. you want it to be good. It makes a huge difference. And it, it it can, that idea of like the image feeling real can start to have emotional effects on people and how connected they they feel to the people that they can't be around right now too. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd, it's just really interesting how important tech, details about tech are becoming all of a sudden that before may have felt like luxuries but now it's our lifeline to the real world that you know we're we're all living in our apartments
1: absolutely 100 percent
0: um what about your uh tech side like tell me what you're liking lately we were chatting a little before all this started on on twitter you're asking me about some new gear what have you got what did you change in your setup recently and what are you planning on doing
1: Um, well, I've been, I've been doing more, um, set design changes lately than anything else. Uh, I get, uh, I was kind of, I, I've had this like white wall set up and I've been using that for a long time. So probably for like the last six months, I've been rearranging this room that I'm in like over and over and over. And so like, this is the, this is the latest look here. Um, not sure how long this is going to stay. Um, but tech wise, um, I'm looking to make a few upgrades around here like so I have the the Blackmagic camera the uh, the 4k and i've been using that off and on um but i'm terrible at color so being trying to match that with like the a7 III's has been a bit of a challenge uh i'm also thinking about doing a podcast which i've talked to you about a little bit on twitter um so i'm looking to upgrade some of like my audio setup because like, right now i'm using the ntg2 but i want to get like an actual microphone as opposed to like a shotgun to find something that's a little more i mean it is voice. an actual
0: microphone well I, that's true <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is true
1: that is yeah. true I'm sorry. Uh, A a more, a more more targeted for the
0: use that you're, you're going for. I get it. Yeah.
1: Um, And then that's probably going to lead to me upgrading my audio. I'm using the H six now. I've been going back and forth between the zoom F six and the, the mix pre three funny. Like when I was talking to you on Twitter, uh, John Text me and was like, Mix P3 all day, don't even worry about it. just get the Mix pre 3 He's I'm like, I'm sure he's
0: part of the reason that I got it too. I'm like,
1: Oh, John uses yeah. it, it must be good, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So he was like, Yeah, Mix pre 3 all day. And he told me uh, he was talking about the 32 bit float, which I was talking to you about as well, which just has blown my mind. I've been watching like tons of YouTube videos about it. Well, I want,
0: I want to expand on that for a second if anybody's wondering about it themselves. So, uh, I know it was on the podcast. I know I talked about it a little before when I was testing the new version of the mixed breather. So I have the last generation of the version one. So I don't have the 32 bit float. They sent me a review unit. So I got to test it. I'm sure at least one or two episodes of the podcast were re- recorded with it. What, what you'll notice about it is that it's, it's kind of like shooting raw. You yeah. have tons of latitude so that if you screw anything up in post, you're able to to recover it. But I will say that it okay, you should still you should still buy the mix 3 It's it's awesome. But I bet you'll end <laughs> up not recording in 32-bit bit float that often because your files get a lot bigger and it only ends up mattering if you really screw something up. And on the sound devices, the preamps are so quiet and clean that you can just record at like half level. You can record as quiet as you want to and turn it all the way up later and it's gonna sound great. Like you you can still make it too loud. That's a very possible way to to make a mistake. But if you know what you're doing, it's I don't know. You can usually avoid that. Like just don't just don't make it too loud and then you can save a ton of file space. So it's an awesome feature. I like I think what it makes sense for is people doing live sound. That's a great example. Like if you're, you know, you're like walking around or you're at a concert or whatever, and all of a sudden everything blows up, like this the levels rise three yeah. times. Now you're able to save that and you've got this hu- infinite cushion in every direction. But when we're talking like this at a really consistent level, the difference between the loudest and quietest part isn't very different. You, yeah. you, you don't find a lot of advantages. So I'm just throwing out there. Don't necessarily
1: choose based on that one feature. Based on it, well, the the Zoom has 32 bit float too. Yeah, right. Yeah, has, <laughs> so I guess it doesn't it, matter. It has it, it has it, it. Don't use yeah, that yeah. feature at all because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do I do like the form factor of the MixPre more than I like the form factor of the Zoom, though. I thought I thought the Zoom was bigger than it actually is. I watched a video last night and a guy actually had it in his hand as opposed to it just like sitting on a table or like that, or it being in product pictures. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's way smaller than I thought it was." Because mm-hmm. um, like the pictures make it look huge; it looks massive in most of the images that you see. But then I was like, "Oh, maybe I will." But then I, I still like the thin profile of the Mix Pre Three versus the double stacked. Well, here's um, the other thing I like a little more about the about sound devices in general,
0: or why I chose to trust them. They haven't made a bad product, really. I mean, everything they've made has been amazing and real professional quality where zoom has been really innovative like they're they're a little more like they're the samsung and uh, sound devices is the apple. Ah, you know, th- it's got like it. got it. Sound devices is always premium. It's usually a bit more expensive. Zoom brings out a lot of really cool new features. They really innovated with like the H4N. That was a big deal for me. Now the H6 is an extension of that. Um, but the preamps are all a little noisier. Like not the quality is not necessarily there. And from everything I've heard, the new wait, which is the one you're looking at, the F6 is that what it's called? F6 is kind of on par like the sound quality is is basically there it's just because they've had a history to me of having some duds that weren't not duds but more flaws in their product uh that's right. why I'm like okay i think sound devices is going to be more consistently amazing
1: yeah like one thing that i, I like i I, li- I like the f6 but one of the like, just a small feature thing of like it doesn't power off by itself which is something that i had like with the tascam which seems like for uh, something like this it would do especially that I don't know I I have I you have I've had the Tascam DR40 like that's what I started with like that was the first audio recorder that that I bought and I love the feature that like it just goes off by itself if it's been on for more than 5 or 10 minutes and you're not using it right. and I would hope I was I thought like that's something you could activate with the H6 cuz it seems like it's it's still in that same product category like the MixPre and the F6 seemed are a little bit more like all right you can use these on a pro kind of in a pro situation where these feel like more consumer based, like the, um a little more plastic in them. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, why, huh, why can't you do that? It's simpler. It seems weird. And it's, it's such a small firmware change, but I've complained to them enough about it. Obviously they're not going to do it. They've, they've, <laughs> they've received enough tweets from me about it. So well, speaking of what you started with, tell me a bit about how you got started with YouTube.
0: Cause like we know each other pretty recently, you know, we met in person a few times, but like what's your what's your older background with youtube
1: oh so i started on youtube back in 2011 um 2010 sorry 2010. um i was so i i was yeah it's been a long time long (laughs) time so i was writing for a sneaker website i got a i got a job writing for a sneaker website in in december of 2009 and i had done some prior like acting and tv and movie stuff and so i was watching a lot of the sneaker content on youtube at the time and none of it was produced really highly produced i should say and so my thought was like oh okay well let's let's try and bring some of the the knowledge that i have from doing film and tv and bring that into youtube and so i in march of 2010 i put up my first youtube video for the website that i was working for and um it was like this entertainment news style, like green screen with like the picture-in-picture picture thing, kind of like a news So Yeah, a very, very weatherman news show. But it was like nobody in sneakers was doing that at the time. And so that right. kind of made, it kind of made a name for me um, because nobody was doing that. And so that that just led to me just kind of pushing the quality of what I was doing and trying to make the, the production aspect better and better. Which kind of which which separated me at the time from everything else that was going on. So like because this was before Complex was doing sneaker shopping. This was before Nice Kicks was doing sne- sneak peek. Like there was no professionally produced sneaker content at the time when I was doing this. It was more of guys doing like stuff inside their bedrooms or in their living rooms or at the store and stuff like that. It wasn't none of it was professionally produced. And I and I was I, I was early enough to kind of push that perspective to the sneaker world. Not that I was doing it, but that was the thought behind it. It was still, it still looked terrible, but it was a step up from what the sneaker community was expecting at the time. And
0: well, I still think it gives you an advantage being able to do something that is really professional by, by yourself. I mean, it means that you're able to keep making the show now without nobody coming over. And this is something I always used to bug uh, Pete about before he was doing show for high and, and it was always like, well, you can only do what they give you permission to do. And you know what they hire camera people to shoot and editors to edit. And you've got a great personality and all this knowledge, but if you can't create it yourself, then you're limited to what they, you know, want, what they're willing to put out. And uh, now all of a yeah. sudden it's become like, it's very yep. manifest because it's like, well, if you can 't make it yourself, nobody else is going to make it for you
1: <laughs> yeah that 's something that i 've been telling a lot of my friends that they should start creating. I have a friend that 's a, a songwriter, so she writes songs for like television like kids' TV shows and stuff like that and i 've been telling her to document the process and put it on YouTube and and learn like learn about learn about all this editing stuff because they, they always ask me like how did you do this and how would you do them like I literally watch YouTube videos. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I watch YouTube videos on how to edit. Like I bought a little point and shoot camera. I bought a green fabric from Joanne's, and I bought some cheap lights from Target. Like that was my initial. That was my original setup. And I learned how to learned in motion how to create the little picture in picture thing. And like that's that's how I got going. And and you know people, a, a lot of people see what it is now, and I'm like, yo. You got to start. You got to start at the bottom and build up. Like that's me. And you have way more tools now than I did. Like back in oh, two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand ten. Like not, I had, I didn't have any of this stuff. I didn't have, I didn't have a teleprompter. I didn't. I had literally the the college dorm room lights. You know the ones with like three lights on it, like the ones that you get that your parents buy you when you get into your dorm room. That's that's what I used to light myself for for the very first episode that I shot, and I used those for probably six months to a year.
0: Yeah, I think. It's hard to remember that it was only 10 years ago, you couldn't buy the stuff to do the level of production we we're doing without being in the professional world. Like, to get soft yeah. light, you'd have to go buy a Kino Flow fluorescent kit that yes. cost you four or yes. $5,000. There is oh no small gosh. LEDs. Or you'd use hot lights, which... You could get affordably, but they're really hot and potentially dangerous. Like using in small spaces is <laughs> a yeah. problem. The cameras weren't as good. The mic options weren't as good. Preamps have gotten so, like autofocus monitors. Like small HD is still a new company, relatively speaking. So much of this stuff just did not exist. And holy cow, like you know, for it takes so much less money to go so far now. For I don't know, like if I if I think of it in my head, like you know, less than a thousand dollars, you can look hundred percent professional.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For you could spend a thousand dollars right now and have a setup that rivals probably anybody else on YouTube. Yeah. The, the setups
0: that both of us use, you could do something indistinguishable for, for about a grand.
1: Yep. Um, so as opposed to the, I don't even want to talk about how much it costs what I have <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> the worst I've, part is the, the the parts that you buy that you don't end up uh, using either.
0: It's, you know, not all of it turns out to be what you, what you hoped it would. So,
1: yeah, that, that that's very true. That's very true. Chuck, I really appreciate you coming on to this. It's fun to chat. Ab- absolutely. And thank you. Uh, I would just, before we go, thank you for being the creator that you are. Uh, I love the aesthetic of the work that you do. And I know I've probably told you this before, but I think it's worth acknowledging now. Um, I love the aesthetic of the work that you do, especially the video work. I think it has a certain look, has a certain feel, and I think you're really good at, curating that style and that look and um also i appreciate the fact that you're one of the few creators that wears glasses so i'm always (laughs) that's my greatest contribution to the community (laughs) (laughs) i'm always looking at how you light things because it's a it's a a lot more difficult to light things when you wear glasses versus not wearing glasses yes exactly that right there that right there so uh i watch a lot of your stuff kind of like Finding little bits and nuggets to see like where's the light placement? How is he lighting this? Um, because the reflection in, in the glasses is is such a hard thing to to get correct. So I definitely I appreciate that.
0: Do you get people writing in and asking if your glasses are real? Because I get yes. that all the time.
1: Yes. Do you really wear glasses? Yes.
0: It would be weird if you made it your whole thing. Like it, I okay, I get that some people just wear occasionally wear fake glasses as a fashion thing, but it'd be weird if you made it your whole thing public image and it wasn't real that would be a little more strange to,
1: to be fair i didn't wear glasses at first when i st- first started wearing these I, I didn't have any vision problems but it, over time it got worse and now i have to wear them so i started out wearing them in a couple of videos just for fun and i thought it was cool uh, and i started wearing them more often but then i got to the point where i was like oh you actually need glasses and so now i actually i still need think cool. These. <laughs> thank you thank cool, you yeah. thank you i appreciate that
0: thanks again jack i'll see you on uh youtube and twitter yep see you on youtube and twitter yes